live from the ESPN 690 and Atari Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Yes, uh, there's not much to say. I mean, after a similar message like San Francisco a couple weeks ago, uh, we just we got a lot more than that and just didn't didn't play well and kind of saying the same thing, but uh, we got a lot more to offer than that, and we got to do better. We got to figure it out. Um, obviously, if we knew the answer, we'd be doing it, but got to keep plugging away, go back to work this week. Uh, got to get better, I mean, because that was, especially offensively, uh, I thought the defense did a really good job early, and then we had a, we had a good drive, moved the ball down, I think it was 14 plays, 12, 12 plays, something like that. Um, but then after that, just couldn't get anything going. We got to play better, we got to move the ball, got to make plays, and um, trying to trying to figure that out. Trying to figure it out. That's Trevor Lawrence. And I can't figure out if he's good or not, quite frankly. Yeah. We're, we're 12 games into the season, and I mean, listen, I have a lot of hope for it. I, I'm not off like the Trevor train, don't get me wrong. I mean, I think a lot of people will be like, oh, he's a boss of this. Mm-hmm. He's got so much going on around him right now, and they're just making it worse with this James Robinson story and the regression of so many on that offense that I just can't tell if he's good. Like, I have no, you know, I can't sit here. I said this uh, last couple weeks now. I can't sit here and tell you he's bad. It's not like he's airmailing everybody and throwing picks and four of them games. not turning the ball over. He's also not moving the football and getting in the end zone and throwing touchdowns. Like, he, he is. Do we dare you call him the G word right now, game manager? I, I would call him the chaos manager. Chaos manager? <laughs> I like that. I mean. That's what he is. He's not a game manager. I don't even know what they have a game plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a chaos manager right now. Okay. And I, I think if he can get through this mud, then maybe he turns into something. But we have no idea. I mean, ser- I, am I alone there? Or, or are we all, like, on that kind of the same train of we really have no idea 12 games in about Trevor Lawrence. Like, I don't have a strong opinion for oh, or no. against when, um, in this rookie year. Friday, uh, Brian and I broke down, you know, which teams have quarterback problems, which teams are good for the future. And when we got to Jacksonville, I just simply said, this is before the Rams game, I just simply said, I don't know, but they have a quarterback developing problem. They, they, they have a quarterback culture problem. And I think, you know, yesterday's game once again proved that. So, yeah, I, I don't know if Trevor's going to be good or not. And, and that's not what we should be saying this late into the season. I think with Zach Wilson, like, you know, they, they had the excuse of injuries a little bit, so, like, they maybe aren't positive with Zach Wilson. But at least the guy's putting up touchdowns. Like, at least the guy's making plays where it's like, all right, I, I can see the hype a little bit. Let's see what he's got next season. Yeah, we got to say let's see what Trevor's got next season, but it can go either way, I think. And it's sad that we're saying that. It, yeah. it, it, it's sad that a fan base that, you know, cheered for the Jaguars to lose to get this once-in-a-generational guy, and now we're sitting here saying, well... We'll see. Yeah, and he could be the one carrot that we all could have going into the offseason. You're like, hey, it's all right, Brent. It's all right, everybody. James might not play. They're not going to give him a contract. They don't like him. Uh, they can't evaluate talent. They're going to screw up the draft picks even if they pick number two or one or three or whatever. But, well, it's okay, Brent. We got Trevor. Like, because that was the whole offseason. It's like, all right, it's going to take a little while, but we got Trevor. Mm. Unless he starts to do something in the next five games. I, I won't have that for the the entire offseason, which we usually win around here. Yeah, which that's my major concern is, if not Trevor, who? Like, if not this highly heralded once-in-a-generation quarterback to come change things in Jacksonville, well, 
Um, what's it going to take? What's it going to take if if that's the case? I mean, Stuart, I said it before on the show. If and this is now knowing what I know now, it's a little more real. But I said if Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence can't make this thing work, the team's cursed. The team is literally cursed. Are there any Billy Goats? Is there is there anything? Team's cursed. That's that's my excuse. Do we need to like do an investigation and find out what it is? Sage, sage, just burn some sage. Yeah. Sage Steele? She's the reporter? No, Burn oh, Sage, oh, man. Oh, Kyrie oh, Irving no. style. Yeah. Come on now. I got what you're saying. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You've done the Sage thing in the past. I have. I helped my fantasy team out last year, but... You probably want to try that again. Yeah, I know, man. It's just, it's not, <laughs> nice. looking, it's not looking good this well year. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I mean, I, I do think that is the, like I said, the overriding factor. And, and I do have a little bit of blind faith still on Trevor. I mean, I think, I think he... He has so many good attributes that I, I'm a, still a big fan and I think he's going to work out. But I, if I'm being completely honest, that's more my positive nature and the guy coming out of college and who we, we thought he'd be more than the guy right now. They're kind of screwing up and not putting in a good situation by making him be a chaos manager. Mm-hmm. I'm worried that it's going to come down to, to him having to do all this stuff on his own, in, whether it be the offseason or during the course of the week, because we're not seeing it from the time that he's inside the building. Yeah, um, so I, we'll we'll see. You know, I got one one play, and then we're going to talk a little Gators. Uh, Stuart Weber was at the uh, Napier press conference yesterday. Saved me from having to watch any of the game yesterday. Yeah. Well, oh, good for lucky, you. you know, obviously, I had to watch in highlights later and put it together. But good for you. Yeah, um, it's glorious. <laughs> the uh, just following along on Twitter and the, <laughs> the agonizing time <laughs> as people go just through it. Steal my computer. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, now through games, but. Um, there's a play in the game yesterday, and I don't know if you guys recall this. And I, I forget what's – it's probably like third quarter. Okay. It was when they were starting to pull away. We're talking the Rams. They have the ball in like the 35 maybe. Maybe it's a 30. And they roll Matthew Stafford out to the left. Mm-hmm. And they roll him heavy to the left. And there's like Miles Jack has a chance to go get him, but they've got a blocker there for him. So they've got like an ISO blocker on – I think it was a lineman. I don't think it was a tight end. I think it was a lineman. It was a designed play. And they, mm-hmm. they make the block. And Matthew Stafford's there. And then Cooper Cup is running a route. And I don't know what he did early on in the route. But he's up past midfield now. Mm-hmm. Now to the 45. Mm-hmm. And the ball is in the air across the field. So Stafford, follow me here. Stafford rolled to his left. He's going against the grain. Right. Sets his feet. He's got plenty of time. There's nobody near him. And he launches a pass to... Cooper Cup, who I don't think did anything special on the route, but he had plenty of time for the route to develop. You've got two Jags trailing. Beautiful throw. Probably like a 40-yard gain. Boom. Easy. What I don't understand is why, like, to me, that's design. And I don't understand why the Jags can't try to design that play. Because you have a guy that can make that throw. If you try to design that play with Gardner Minshew, listen, the guy doesn't have the arm strength. You have to do different things, so I understand. Trevor Lawrence, he doesn't have this arm strength Matthew Stafford. I mean, Matthew Stafford might have the best arm in the league. But he's got the ability to make that play. Mm-hmm. And you're asking people really to not do that much. You're rolling him way out. You're making, have one guy make a block, another guy run a route, and now just complete a pass. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not asking for much here. You don't have 15 things going on in that play. Now, I might be making it too simple, but it doesn't look like 15 things are going on in that play. Yeah. I don't understand why the Jags can't design plays like that. We see 
all day on Sunday afternoon that are wide open to everybody else. And, and we're not talking about, like, the best receivers in the game all the time. No, sure. Now Cooper Cup's very good. I get it. But I'm telling you, Cooper Cup on this play, I don't think, did anything, like, magical. Well, let me ask you this. How long did it take for that play to develop? A while. Are you confident with those, with those offensive line or whatever, the tight end coming across, making that block to buy Trevor Lawrence that much time to get the receiver open? Yeah, I... To me, they made it look so easy, I would say yes. Okay. Yeah, sure. I mean, it did look easy. Uh, but I you and I it, don't know, but even at least if you tried to design that play and that blocker, say it was Cam Robinson, messed up the block, I'm like, what the hell, Cam? Like, yeah, I can see sure. what happened. You tried to take a shot. You know, I watched another one last night. It was Herbert at some point rolls way to the right. All oh, the yeah. time in the world. And then he throws a jump ball to the end zone. Do you remember that touchdown? Uh, to the Guyton? I think it was. Guyton? Guyton. And he yeah. makes a nice catch. But he was covered. Over there. Yeah. He yeah, was covered. Yeah. Yeah. But he had all the time, and he lets his arm do the work, and he gives a guy a chance to make a play one-on-one. I mean, yeah. wouldn't you take that right now? No, wouldn't I mean, you take Marvin Jones going up and trying to make a play one-on-one with somebody 40 yards down the field? If you don't have the receivers to get open themselves, create separation, then you have to design schemes and plays to get them separation. And it simply has not happened here in Jacksonville. Yeah, sometimes you'll play against good defenses. Okay, every defense has good players. But you can scheme things open. Like, it's just going to happen. Like, I watched Dallas Goddard become, and this is against um, the Jets team, who was pretty good at shutting down the run, the, the tight end, I mean. I watched Dallas Goddard become wide open twice due to the scheme. And I, by, by the way, in case you didn't know, Gardner Minshew loves throwing a big tight ends. Mm. Okay? So they scheme Gardner Minshew to give him confidence. Middle of the field's wide open. We know it's your first start. We like what you bring to the table. Here's Dallas Goddard. Let's get him open. Every team does this. I don't know, like, what... Trevor Lawrence's best throw is because we haven't really seen a lot of best throws this year. But if you know what it is, I would definitely scheme that open. Yeah, I, 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 I would scheme his favorite wide receiver open. Who's his favorite wide receiver? I think Marvin Jones. Then scheme him open. That's it. Yeah. Like they did on the fourth and two, and even that didn't look easy. Put him Remember? in motion, do something. Right. I don't know. The fourth and two was a little creativity. It looked like he was rolling left, mm-hmm. and then he kind of dropped back. Like, it was like a fake roll. There's probably terminology for that that I'm not getting to. But And then he kind of drops back, sits in the pocket for a second, and boom, threw it in between two guys. And even that didn't feel very high percentage, but it yeah. felt like it was schemed open on fourth and two, and they converted. How, how many plays this year have you seen from the Jaguars where there was a breakdown in the defense where a guy was wide open? I mean, this happens week in and week out in the NFL. Yeah. But for whatever reason, the Jaguars can't seem to, to hit the right buttons to do that. I yeah. mean, last night, if you're watching the Steelers-Ravens game, I get it. Deontay Johnson's a different type of receiver. There was nobody within 20 yards of Deontay Johnson for that touchdown to go ahead and win the game. And he's, I mean, that guy commands attention. Commands Sometimes team, he commands yeah. double teams. There was nobody within 20 yards of him. Why? Well, because the route that they ran, you know, it, it was built for the cover that the Ravens were in, and it is what it is. But, like, every team can do this. You, you don't need Deontay Johnson to get, you know, five yards open. You need a good scheme. You need a good play call. And we haven't seen that, I feel like, the entire season. I can't remember the last time where a guy was five yards open, ten yards open, where it's like, oh, that was a great throw, that was a great catch, and that was a great play. Yeah, well, against San Francisco on a few, they finally did the rub route, the pick plays yeah, to yeah. get on third downs, but they've disappeared again. Everybody in the league runs that play. Mm-hmm. The Rams ran that play, mm-hmm. and they pick up eight yards on first down, simple pass and catch, because it's, it's impossible to defend, mm-hmm. and they don't call it. And they still don't want to run that play. It's amazing. Let's talk to Florida Gators. <laughs> Weber, you were there uh, in Gainesville. 
Billy Napier, new head coach. We got new big name coaches all over the place. Cristobal now to Miami. Yeah. We got obviously uh, Lincoln Riley, USC. Brian Kelly goes to LSU. This isn't that. Like this isn't that kind of hire for Florida. In a weird way, I kind of like the hire. I don't think you need the $10 million guy for 10 years. Now, this is still a hefty contract. They're going to spend a lot of money, and that's really the story in Gainesville. They're going to finally open the checkbook up in Gainesville and places like Miami. What were your first impressions of Napier? Yeah, it's interesting. You, you talk about how you like it not maybe being that big splash hire in a year where we had so many of these major college coaches getting lured away. I mean, can, can you imagine Power 5 teams like – Oklahoma, Notre Dame, and Oregon have all had their coach taken out from under them. Yeah. By Top other 10 programs. Uh, these are all major, major quality programs that are competing for national championships, and the coaches thought the grass was greener in another place and hopped over well, to it's, it's a It's more new expensive one. the other place. That's true. Yeah. 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 The grass is more expensive. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. more expensive. Sometimes you see what these guys are making? Sometimes yeah, it's, it's artificial grass. You yeah. Know, you sometimes. get some of that fake grass it out there. It does look like artificial money. Rich Bermuda yeah, right there. Yeah. Yep. It, it is. It is wild, that side of it. But then then you talk about some of the schools that are, are going a different route, like the Florida Gators are, when you talk about hiring Billy Napier from Louisiana. I mean, you got to really be doing your homework to, to go find the guy from Lafayette, Louisiana, which, fortunately enough, Scott Strickland made this point in the press conference a few years ago when he was on the college football playoff committee, or however you want to call it, uh, that he was on that committee. Uh, he and another athletic director's job was to scout the Sunbelt Conference. So because of that, he had a chance to really pour over all the guys in the Sunbelt Conference, including mm-hmm. Billy Napier at Louisiana with the Raging Cajuns. So he was able to learn quite a bit about him a few years ago. Uh, fast forward to 2021 and the program falling apart as it really quickly did. I mean, you talk about going from nearly beating the number one team in the country in Alabama to uh, six and six and playing in the Gasparilla Bowl. That's how quickly the season fell apart. But for Scott Strickland to have already had that knowledge and that, you know, wisdom about Billy Napier in the back of his head made it a quick turnaround, bang, go get the guy without him even visiting Gainesville. Uh, that was kind of revealed during the, the press conference. The only other time he'd ever been to Gainesville was 2011 as an assistant coach for Alabama. Hmm. He hadn't been back to the swamp or seen any of the facilities or seen anything that goes along with the program since 2011 when he was there as a visiting assistant coach. Yeah, well, that tells you the respect for the program. It certainly does, and it shows you how much of it is still renderings as opposed to actual stuff because you can send him renderings of what the new athletic facility that they're building is going to be. If he came and saw it, he would just see concrete and walls that are going up and that kind of stuff yeah. uh, where the old baseball stadium used to be. So uh, a lot of it that was kind of set in motion while Dan Mullen was the head coach uh, is now going to be fully realized while Billy Napier is the coach, which is kind of an interesting thing. And down the road, people might thank Dan Mullen a little bit for getting those wheels turning and moving forward. Now, he wasn't the guy to, to go forward in the future with it, just through whatever reason it was, whether it be his commitment to it or him not wanting to do as much recruiting or that sort of thing. But sure enough, Billy Napier is the guy that they're going to look to to lead this program into the competing with the Alabamas and the Georgias. And you mentioned it when you're talking about that budget. Yeah, that's a big story. The big story around this hire is less about Billy Napier, I think. I mean, it, it's 
it's a good get, I believe. Uh, it's a risky get that's the only guy you went after. Sure. And now all these other guys were poached away from these big schools. Yeah. So it's a little risky, but I kind of like it like that. And Especially like, when that hot name like Venables goes to Oklahoma. Yeah, you know? every AD, though, every AD go has like a list for the last – Sure. Every time they hire a coach, they've got a new list. So he's been looking at Billy Napier for years, just yeah. in case, right? But, um, but see, the money part of this is huge because yeah. Napier was at Alabama and Clemson, so he saw what it took to pay analysts and recruiting stuff, and they're going to pony up the money. No, it definitely makes a difference if you have the funds behind you um, to be successful. But to me, and I don't want to say it's history repeating itself a little bit, but I remember like you know when Dan Mullen got hired by Florida and then it was Willie Taggart going to Florida State. At least from my perspective, it was like, all right, well, Florida State got, like, the sexier pick, right? The, the, the more outside the box, you know, just the exciting pick. And the Florida Gators got Dan Mullen, had some success at Mississippi State, but it was more like vanilla ice cream. Now, Dan Mullen outcoached Willie Taggart like you wouldn't believe it, and that turned out to be the better signing in the long run. Hindsight's twenty twenty, But I get kind of the same vibe from Billy Napier, and I see what Miami is doing now with Cristobal. If they do get that job, uh, you know, the, 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 the deal done here, I mean, to me, Cristobal is... Once again, he's the sexier guy. He's the guy that's going to, you know, bring the culture, bring the grit, the toughness, and all this stuff. And Billy Napier is a guy, like you said, so you have to do a little more research behind it to really see what he's all about. The thing I like about Billy Napier, if you're comparing it to the, the cycle when they hired Dan Mullen, Dan Mullen at Mississippi State felt kind of stagnant in the fact that they weren't getting any higher. They were going to stay the third or fourth best team in the SEC West while he was there, and they still have. I mean, they're still in that middle of the pack when it comes to the SEC West, trying to catch up to the LSUs, the Alabamas, and the Auburns of that side. And Texas A&M now, too, has passed them. When you're talking about Billy Napier, you're talking about a guy who could have left Louisiana last year, probably could have left two years yeah. ago for, for any other job that was looking for that next rising coach. But for him, the big thing was wanting to finish, wanting to get that program to these new heights. And what they do this year? They won the conference championship, which last year they got to it, mm -hmm. didn't win. Unfinished business. Stuck around another year, saw it through, and finished this year to where they go and win the conference championship. Remember, he got hired a week ago before they played. So, you know... People could point to that and say, yeah. okay, maybe his mind, don't do well maybe his mind yeah. wasn't into it. Maybe, you know, he's looking at the next step. Well, no, th his team went and put together a solid performance and picked up the win over Appalachian State uh, in that Sunbelt Conference Championship game. So they were able to finish. And, and I like that aspect of it because that has more the vibe of, of Urban Meyer who was coming from Utah where his team goes and wins mm -hmm. a conference championship there and is on the way up. That program was on the way up, whereas Dan Mullen, it was, you know, okay, plateau this is all there, you yeah. can do at Mississippi State. Now yeah. let's see if you can do it at Florida. And that's why sure. we wondered if it would plateau even at Florida, like sure. if he could win the big one. And mm -hmm. I think that question always arises. Listen, Kirby Smart's the best example of, hey, do you have to wonder if they can win the big one? Because Kirby Smart's unbelievable, yeah. right? I mean, what they've Alabama done first. is unbelievable. Yeah. But they can't win the big one. They could have pushed Alabama out of it. They could have been playing Cincinnati and then the winner of Notre Dame and Michigan. Yeah. I mean, they had the they had it, man, and they still can't figure it out. They got out coached, out played, out everything on Saturday. So, and it sets up for a lot of good storylines down the road, which we'll get into a little bit more this week. What I can't get over, guys, though, is this about college, the college football. You think slippery 
You know, that slippery. A lot of people get like a used car salesman. I don't, I don't <laughs> like to hammer the used car salesman trying to make a living. But uh, but I really think of like AAU basketball back in the day. Like okay. that's kind of had your sense of, or even college basketball, right? With pay and to play guys. And it feels very sketchy. And we know football is like that anyway. But didn't basketball always feel more like slippery and sketchy than actually the football world did? Because in that sport, one guy can make much more of a difference. Yeah. yeah. And, and so... Well, and also that's where guys got caught, it seemed like, sure. right? They, they weren't very good at it or, or whatever. Yeah. But um, but this felt like this this coaching cycle felt as slippery as college football has ever felt. I mean, this Mario Cristobal stuff with Manny Diaz, still the coach, I mean, that was about as bad a business as you can get. And, and by the way, Diaz didn't do a terrible job there. He might not have been the answer. He, he had some peaks and valleys. Yeah. And if I'm Diaz, I'm saying, hey, if you would have ponied up this kind of money, we'd win bigger. Yeah. And and by, that's fair. They didn't want to do it. All of a sudden, I guess the big story is why, are, why now for Florida? Finally built the facilities over the last handful of years. Now opening up the recruiting budget and the analyst budget and the coaching budget. Why Miami? Do you see the kind of money Miami's spending? Okay. It's like Eight million dollars to buy out Diaz. Nine million dollars to buy out uh, a Cristobal. Eight million dollars to pay Cristobal over like a ten-year period. It's unbelievable the kind of money all of a sudden they're spending. Mm-hmm. It's like welcome to the game, fellas. Yeah. If you want to be a part We've of been it, waiting for you. You got to spend. Mm-hmm. And now they finally realized it. They they basically now know it took them a long time. They're late to the game. But if you want to belong and make big dollars like Alabama does and just print money and play in, in that kind of game. Well, then you better spend it first. Yeah, you got to spend money to make money. Yeah. Uh, was it scared money doesn't make money? Is that scared the, money yeah. doesn't make money. That's the new, uh, that's a big Billy Napierism as well. He, oh, really? like, he likes to use that one a lot as I like well. That. So I think that's the fascinating tell, though, over the last couple of weeks, and especially here in the state of Florida, yeah. that, t- that these proud programs finally said, all right, it's time to pony up more money. Hey, so you know what else? Can't go broke making a profit. Oh, <laughs> like that. Think about that one. Like yep. that. Can't go broke making a profit. Unless you rush for two yards and you need at least three and a half to get oh, yeah, to the I mean, first down. Yeah, I'm know, just yeah. saying coach yeah. speaking out. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't quote me on that stuff. In four years, will Billy Napier have a better record and a better resume than Dan Mullen had in his four years? Hmm. That's tough. It's tough because, look, I mean, if you look at Mullen's resume just from a four-year standpoint, you know, obviously you include this year into it, he made three New Year's Six Bowls in four years. Yeah. That's uh, kind of the point of the question. Oh, uh, yeah. It's not like he was awful. Played in Atlanta. Uh, I mean, when you're when you're playing in the toughest conference in the country, look, not everyone's going to be Nick Saban, you know. Mm-hmm. So, or Kirby Smart at this point. Well, Kirby Smart's seeing that right now that he can't be Nick Saban. So, yeah, it, it it begs the question: Are you going to have? What are you looking for, really? Like, what do you want your coach to be? Do you want him to be the best coach in the world? Because there can only be one of those. And as of right now, he resides in Tuscaloosa. So everyone else is chasing a standard that only one person can reach. So you, you have to come up with these these proper, you know, I guess, goals benchmarks, and mindsets. Yeah. Benchmarks. There you go. Great word for it. Uh, benchmarks of what you're trying to get to. Now, if that's, okay, we're going to go to Atlanta once every two or three years. We're going to win a conference championship once every, say, five, five years. You know, but, like, is that enough? If it's not... You're talking about really high benchmarks that you're trying to meet yeah. with the, the schools that you're competing against. I I hope, obviously I hope that Billy Napier is able to, to reach a four-year 
you know, kind of success that Dan Mullen did and have his team in that national picture, I think the, the key is in these next four years, can he make it to the college football playoff? That's that's what Dan Mullen didn't do. Yeah. Can you get past that? If you do that, the, the record maybe isn't as important. The New Year's Six Bowls aren't as important, if, even if it's a build, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, say, next year it's the Peach Bowl. The year after that it's, like, 10-2. and two Yeah, and get there in three Playing years. for the SEC championship. The third year it's being in the college football playoff. Then I think he's successfully done better than most. Hey, by the way, if Billy Napier can get uh, Nick Saban to retirement and survive all that, then that might be the biggest milestone. Uh, Hey, we're going to take a break. We'll be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to give you guys a lot because I just, you know, I wish I had all the answers and I'd, I'd give them to you. I don't know the answers other than I know this, that you're going to keep swinging and keep working together. Uh, is there a confidence issue? Uh, anytime you're you're not successful at something, that's something we've got to fight through. Confidence is a, a result of success, and right now we're struggling with that. How disappointing is Urban Meyer to this point? Jags are disappointing at 2-10. and 10. They don't look like they're getting any better. They look disjointed. It seems like we think it's going to implode potentially here in the next couple of weeks. And I don't know if it's getting any better, and it's not going to change because here's the deal. If you think Urban Meyer is not the guy, Urban Meyer is not going anywhere. Like, Urban Meyer is coming back next year. It's too long and too much money of a deal. Uh, and I don't see Urban stepping down from it. Like, I, I don't I, – I keep getting asked that. Like, hey, do you think he's going to be the guy next year? Mm-hmm. And absolutely. I don't think there's any doubt. And you think Shad's going to allow him to be the guy? Absolutely. Like, I, I just don't – I don't think uh, – if, if that's what you're rooting for, I'd, I'd hold the phone on, on, on your pom-poms because <laughs> it's uh, – That ain't happening. Again, I mean, Urban's been very unpredictable in his career, but he's never, if you follow his career, his career has never been one and done, Mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, people, he could potentially In fact, by the way, year two has always been like championship years and really good years in year two. World Buckers, he felt Stuart, because we're going to the Super Bowl. Woo! By the way, like, that is a a very college thing. It's a very college thing. (laughs) That in year two, yeah. a lot of guys do well. Oh, yeah. Bob Stoops at Oklahoma did it that way. Kirby Smart, I think, uh, at Georgia did that way. Mark Richt at Georgia did it that way, had his best year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Urban has done it in, in other places uh, for whatever reason. And I told you this last week. If there was anything, again, this is totally blind faith here, right? But if there was something, I said this to somebody else today again. When people come in and, and, and look at a building, say, like, that we were just, like, a mess, in our building, and mm-hmm. somebody comes in and is going to be a new manager of it, they usually take six to 12 months and watch and observe mm-hmm. and then be like, all right, here's what we need to change. They don't come in and change things in like one week and one month. That's not how it goes. Mm-hmm. So I think the only CEO kind of feel thing, whatever, that you could maybe say Urban is going to do, which it doesn't totally equate to football because you're trying to win each week, but I wonder if... He then figures things out this offseason a little bit, puts his finger on, okay, we did that wrong, this wrong, his, his uh, transition to the NFL. I mean, I, again, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but if there's 
any chance that it turns around, year two is a good opportunity for that. You always say a young player makes their biggest jump year one to year two. Correct. Uh, not always, but it usually can happen like that. Maybe in this sense, of the coach, the CEO, Urban Meyer, is just like a rookie player in the NFL and makes a big change, a big jump, a big swing but, on the upside in year two. Right now, I think that's the only thing to kind of wish for. No, for sure. But we're talking about player versus coach now. Like, yeah, players are going to make progress because it's just it's in your DNA. I mean, you get used to, you get accustomed to the NFL, uh, and you improve. From coaching, I feel like it's different because you can't let your play justify your improvement. You have to, you know, you have to let your personality and the way you run things justify your improvement. So to sit here and say you're going to go from, I don't know, maybe winning three games this year, four games if you're super lucky, you're going to go from that and change your whole philosophy, now your whole mindset and saying, hey, guys, all right, it took me one year. I figured it out. I'm going to change who I am now, and I, and I know what to do. You got to be careful with that. Because then you're basically going to say that first year was a wash. And now if you're Trevor Lawrence, if you're Miles Jack, if you're Josh Allen, you saw the first year Urban Meyer, and if he changes it where it's like a completely different personality, and now he's trying to rule with an iron fist, what kind of message you send in that locker room then in the first, you know, anyways. It's basically you're saying the first year wasn't really me. This is who I really am. Get ready. Or the first year didn't work, so let's try something different. Because this is yeah, it's not no, working. No, no, it's not way. working. No, yeah. it's definitely not working. But I think a, a great coach, through thick and thin, they're they're gonna stay true to who they are, right? Like I, I think Bill Belichick, whether he was in Cleveland that had success or in New England, he stayed true to who he was as a coach. Now maybe he changed some things. He he tailored some things because he got adapt to the modern NFL athlete. Yeah. But for the most part, I think he's stayed true through and through. I think with Urban Meyer, like, I, I do think with Urban Meyer in the NFL, it's not the same as he was in college. Like, I think there's different personalities, things that you're seeing. I, I think he's not really ruling with an iron fist like he did in college. Maybe that's going to be the big change. Maybe he's going to be more in your face, holding you accountable more verbally. Maybe that's going to change. But you got to be careful doing that because the, 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 the guy they saw the first year can't be drastically different the second year because it's not going to work. You're going to lose the locker room that way too. No pressure, by the way. Bill Belichick won a Super Bowl in his second year with uh, the Patriots. Yeah. yeah, second year, second job. <laughs> second job. Second job. But, That's but also the true. The point being, though, seriously, like I know we associate this with players. The coaches, it does happen to, collegiately and the NFL, where you see a bump. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think for a variety of reasons. But you can see it, and you do it. And so that is, to me right now, that is what I would latch on to and hope for and look for because, again, what I'm trying to tell you is he's not going anywhere. Yeah. The yeah. Jags are not – Shad Khan's not firing him. And I don't think he's walking away. And, and you could maybe talk me into believing it, and then I would say – he ain't walking away with 2-15 and 15 on his record in the NFL or 3-14. and 14. But what no happens way. if he loses the locker room and Shad Khan sees that? But then you, that's, then you have to cut ties. No like, way. It's, it's it, not Shad Khan's M.O., man. I mean, he's okay. been about as loyal as you can be in the NFL. I, I mean, he cut Mike Markey after a year. Yeah, and that wasn't because he lost the locker room. That was because Gene Smith and Mike Malarkey yeah, said sure. you could go to the playoffs. They told him that, okay. and then he went 2-14. and 14. So, so what's worse, underachieving in terms of your record output or losing a locker room? In my opinion, it's losing a locker room. Like, I'd rather have a coach tell me, okay, we can go to the playoffs, and, and maybe he lied to you. Maybe he's trying to save his job, so be it. You let him go. I would be a lot more ticked off if you lost the locker room on your watch. I'd be a lot more ticked off if guys are disgruntled and guys are going to the media complaining.
Yeah. Well, none of that's happened. I'm so he's saying, got five weeks for no, that. No, for to sure. But I'm saying if it does implode and yeah. things get worse before they get better, and I'm Shad Khan, I would be a lot more ticked off at that than I would with Mike Malarkey under delivering on how many games are going to win the Listen, first year. The right move for Shad Khan, depending on really what he sees in that building and everybody else sees in that building, and and if everybody's got like taken the the lie detector test, mm-hmm. then like the best move might be to move on and move away faster and not. And, and get someone in here that's going to take care of Trevor and turn this in the right direction, just be like, all right, we tried. But this thing, we can already tell this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. Instead of getting deeper and deeper into the mess, I just, it, it, first of all, again, it really has not been the MO of Shad Khan to do that. Now, you, you bring up a good example with Malarkey. I think that was a little different circumstance. He was very loyal and, and hung on maybe too long with Gus. Did the same thing potentially with Marone and Caldwell. I mean, that's been more what Shad Khan has done. I think you have super patient owner is really the book on, on Shad Khan. And this is his guy. There's got to be some ego with Shad involved. He gave him a lot of money. He went and got him. He, he really targeted him. And there's a belief in there. I, I don't know what that belief is. I don't know what's being said behind closed doors. I don't know if some of that well, belief has wavered. Yeah. But I, I think it did during the incident, but I don't know but, since then on the field. But, I mean, what's being said behind closed doors, what's being said in public is that Urban Meyer lost Shad Khan's trust, and he had to earn that back. Like, that was in public. So what is, what's being said behind closed doors that we're not privileged to hear? True. I mean, I saw him at dinner the other night, and they were so still having up? dinner. Huh? <laughs> I mean, so it's not like they're not talking to each other. You know no, what I mean? I, mean, yeah. um, I, I feel so they were like in and out Burger, too? That's, cra- that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. What you guys do in and out? That's crazy. Yeah, and they did. <laughs> I did have a burger, by the way, though. Yeah. <laughs> it just wasn't an out burger. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I just think everybody who thinks this isn't going to work, you might be right. But I'd also just tell you, Kiss is going to be the head coach in September of 2022. Yeah. It's going to be Urban Meyer. Um, I, I, that's my belief. Maybe something crazy happens in between now and then, and that is still the caveat here. <laughs> like, if something else crazy happens, I think it's like, all right, that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't mean five more losses. That to me isn't crazy mm-hmm. enough uh, for this it's thing. Not crazy. It's very plausible. <laughs> it's very plausible and, and kind of not crazy around these no. parts, right? Uh, so no. uh, it, that part is going to be an interesting one to watch. And what changes he makes. Because it's crystal clear right now that this staff is not clicking. I mean, it's crystal clear. And whether that's Urban because he doesn't know what's going on and he's saying Bernie Parmalee, I'm not sure why he's not in the game. Or Daryl Bevel, I'm not sure why he's calling that play. But then, And that's Urban, but it also shows you that there's some disjointed nature of this staff right now, especially on the offensive side. It's definitely disjointed. But then you saw this in the Dallas preseason game where it looked like Urban Meyer said, hey, we need to start throwing the ball a little more, going a little more vertical and giving Trevor Lawrence some confidence because this whole just, you know, stalemate, run, run, pass thing isn't going to work for us. So you got the sense that Urban Meyer took it upon himself to say, okay, this Dallas preseason game, let's air it out a little more. Let's give Trevor some more confidence. And he did. Where is the, hey, why isn't James Robinson playing? 
Why is our offense so, you know, I mean, where does that come out? You did it in preseason. Why can't you do it in the regular season when it counts? Well, I think that's the biggest problem right here this week is not only the James Robinson story, which is the story here in town, and we continue to harp on it and talk about it and try to make sense of it, which makes no sense, but also what we said a little bit earlier in the in the show is you talked about up-tempo, up-tempo, up-tempo. You said you thought that's where you want to go. This offense is evolving. That's what they said coming out of the Atlanta game last week is that, hey, we think we found a little something. Can you do it all the time? No, but we're going to do more of it I, I can't remember when they did it like of any magnitude the other day like it it's it's like um, they didn't they didn't practice what they preach how how many other offensive mind because and correct me if i'm wrong is urban meyer an offensive minded yeah. coach or not yeah does he is he helping develop trevor lawrence no. or not okay so he is but um, that's his job though right yes he was brought here to do that yeah stood five yards away from his pro day seeing trevor lawrence yeah. sucking down okay balls whistling okay so with all that being said, I was outside those doors wasn't allowed. Yeah, you were. Hey, he's talking. I watched him call the parking lot. McShay. Todd McShay, man, chased him down. <laughs> Brent had a shake in his pocket. Hey, you better answer some questions, Todd. Todd was so scared because Todd's a smaller dude, right? Yeah, he's, you probably yeah, towering I, over I, him. I, I don't know about towering. Yeah, you, you take, you take yeah, I think he's a former player though, but he yeah, probably say yeah, what? Kick my butt. What? Long snapper? Kickball. Where's Todd McShay? Hey, hey, played corner or something. Hey. But don't worry about Tom McShay. All right, don't worry about him. But my point, though, is how many other offensive-minded head coaches in the NFL would give you answers like that? Would Andy Reid give you answers like that? Would Sean McVay? When you ask him, hey, how come Daryl Henderson wasn't? No. Sean McVay's not going to go, well, you know, he... No. Like, th- that's not in his repertoire. That's not in his, his M.O. Like, his brand, his identity, and this, I keep going back to this, but his identity is all over that offense. Yeah. I'm not saying, Urban Meyer, you got to call plays. You don't want to do that? Don't do that. But if you're an offensive-minded guy, you have to know who's in when, what the game plan is. If you go no huddle or hurry up, then you go hurry up. And you got to know all this stuff. Yeah, I would think you'd want your fingerprints no, on it. It's got your name on there's it. There's no other offensive-minded coach that would give answers like Urban Meyer has given the past couple no. weeks. None. Really, there's no coach. Yeah. Because everything's a direct reflection on you. Like, you know that. You understand that. Like, it's it's on you. It doesn't matter what Daryl Bevel calls. Mm-hmm. You hired him. He called it. It's really your fault. Mm-hmm. That's the way the position works. That's the way that job works. And it's like, he doesn't understand that all of a sudden. I mean, he's been in the business for 35 years. Of course he understands it. What is he doing? Has he lost his fastball? just lost touch with coaching like at the time off i mean the time I on know. tv one could argue the thing at cincinnati maybe hurt the ego hurt the confidence a little bit like is he handling like he's almost handling losing too well is he just is he comfortable now start throwing, two tables. And start throwing chairs at chalkboards let's get it i feel like he's comfortable being two and ten right now knowing that they're not very good and we'll on to next year doesn't matter what the record is that is not the urban meyer anybody knows and that's not the urban meyer i think shot con hired I think Urban Myers wants to go shock your mock season. <laughs> well, we're almost there. He, he yeah, to, he, I'm sure he's a fan of it. It's getting here in a hurry. Casey, hey, go try to get that theme song ready, man. I hope he's not listening to the show these days. He might not be a fan of any of it. Yeah. We'll be back. By the way, go, go Lions. Go, go in some more, guys. Yeah, all right. We'll be back on ESPN 690. I have this real question. Who would you rather be right now? The Lions organization or the Jags organization? Don't answer that yet. We'll be back on ESPN 690. Yeah, yeah, it was exactly right. Trying to pull it, get on the edge there. I thought there was a good look out there. Uh, had blockers, so just 
trying to make a play there on third down. Felt good about the decision, but just got to secure the ball. Kind of got caught on Carlos's hips. I just got to make sure if I'm pulling it, got to get it all the way out of there before I start running. So just got to be cleaner there. That is Trevor Lawrence. Oh, man, I hope we see something out of Trevor the last five weeks. Uh, hey, quick, uh, out of the UNF, check out unfospreys.com. Baseball team announced a 55-game schedule earlier today, so you can see that schedule, unfospreys.com. They were uh, filling up with some local talent, especially in that 2022 class. Also, Jazz Bond, honored as a co-ace on Women's Basketball Player of the Week. She has been impressive in her career for the Ospreys. The Ospreys are good. Check out the UNF men and women. Both be home Saturday and Sunday this weekend. unfospreys.com for tickets. Is there a volleyball team still doing the thing, too? I thought they're volleyball yeah, they're into, the, uh, into the Elite Eight of yeah. the NIVC, which think NIVC but for women's volleyball. I was, say, so I was watching like on thing, ESPN huh? Plus. It's They're a new good. thing, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they, they got a sweep in the round of 16. They're on to the Elite Eight. Yeah, they're doing good. That's good. They had a Jess Bond, Jess Bond almost had a triple-double. Uh, she had like... In volleyball? No, in uh, basketball. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> my bad. I, don't, I thought it was talking volleyball. My bad. I think they, they probably have that in volleyball, too. I don't know. Uh, don't Kills, know. blocks, and digs. assists. There's no way someone's going to... There's not a lot of Kills, Russell Westbrook's and assists and blocks. Yeah, I guess you, you could, could do a triple double. I guess you could. Anyhow, she almost she had like eight or nine blocks, eight or nine uh, rebounds to go with like thirty something points. So Jazz Bond filling up the stat sheet. She's a very good player. She call her Mrs. Thanksgiving. Ah, ah, I'll allow it. Ah, I'll allow it. Miss Thanksgiving. Miss Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. I call her Miss Thanksgiving. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, who's the dirtiest uh, guy on this this uh, in this studio? Dirtiest player. The only one who's an actual player? Yeah, that'd be you. Like, like you in, like to get in fights? In ter- okay, like, like in terms of... You'd gouge eyes if you had to. Oh, I'm like, I mean, I keep my space pretty tidy. I don't... Yeah. Okay. So, but it yeah, literally like, fights people. I mean, like... Yeah. Like, but if, you had, if it took being dirty to win, you'd do it. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I gouge and you better believe it. Okay. Was the Jalen Ramsey... Oh, here we go. ...head slam on Trevor dirty play? Will he get fined for that? Because I'll be honest with you. Now, again, I, I know I'm looking at it from Trevor's angle. Yeah, you are. But did I, I didn't see the leg twist like I saw the Mac Jones leg twist. Did, did you watch a, a, a footage that wasn't full, like half speed? Like, go back and watch the, the play like as it played out full speed. Like, it wasn't that big of a deal. Like, yeah, he, he so I think with Jalen Ramsey, when he got rolled up on, Trevor twisted a little bit. Yeah. And it was just instinct. It wasn't like Jalen Ramsey was trying to, like, hit him. I just think Jalen Ramsey was like, oh, hey, man, watch my knee. And then he pushed his head down. Like, cause that's what I would have. Seriously, if I was Jalen Ramsey, I would do the exact same thing. Yeah, but he pushed his head down, then kicked him in the head. Okay, I didn't see the kick part. I just saw the push part. I what I think here's what I kicked him. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna defend Jalen a little bit here. Where I think when he did get twisted up on the tackle, like I'm not sure Trevor twisted him, but he completed the tackle and his leg got kind of awkwardly. Like I think it scared him. Yeah, for like, sure. I think it scared him, that's but instant. I don't know if he did. Like the Mac Jones one looked like it was pretty dirty. I'm yeah, not sure yeah, Trevor yeah. initiated anything the Grayson, dirty other Grayson than Allen school of uh, Oh, hey, easy now. He's in Jacksonville. Both, both Jacksonville. All I'm saying, though, is what Trevor what. did, and it wasn't intentional. It just kind of worked with that. But if my mom did that to me, my mom's going to head push. Try me. Try me for the holidays, mom. Hey, Jalen once said he would tackle his grandma, then couldn't tackle whoever last week, right? Aaron Rodgers. Couldn't get him. I'm saying, when I get to go, home and my mom has seen me watch she's like oh my god awesome and she tries to do that <laughs> push 
Don't go for my legs. <laughs> By the way, I'll give Trevor wasn't complaining about it, but they obviously were watching that in the locker room after his interest, and they'd all seen the video. Urban addressed it, and well, so did Trevor. It's it's good that we know what Joe Ramsey's doing. We don't know what a, the <laughs> yes. running back rotation's doing. <laughs> Very good point. Very good point. Literally watching hey, on the hey, Urban, Microsoft you iPod or whatever. But did you see the statue? Yeah. Yep. We'll be back. Our travels to the West Coast were quite entertaining. Oh, I can't wait to. Hey. <laughs> Nothing beats getting my cell phone back, going online, and seeing all your guys' stuff unfold. I think on Friday night I could have kicked your ass in a cage. I was so pissed. <laughs> we'll be back. Football at five. <laughs>